Someone asked me recently, what is the coolest part of my job as CEO at Clear Motor Market? I said, well, that's easy. The fact that every day I get to dig into our clients' businesses to learn not only what makes it tick, but what we can do as their partner to deliver the marketing that truly matters to their business. It's like being in a living, breathing case study every day. And for that, I am truly blessed. Hello, Collisions YYC listeners. It's with an overwhelming sense of pride that I wanted to share with you that the marketing agency that I had the pleasure of co-founding and leading is turning 15 years old. Yes, Clear Motive Marketing is 15. I wanted to shout out a huge thank you to all of our clients, past and present, as well as our vendors and all of the incredible team members we've worked with over the years to make this milestone possible. Check us out at clearmotive.ca to learn more about what we can do that matters to you. Hello and a warm collisions. Why do I see well? Because my guest this morning, Mr. Jason McFadden. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure, man. You're one of my buddies. One of my buddies, and I say that very warmly, from Toronto. Aww. And uh, you and I met a bunch of years ago, and our companies uh, have been crossing paths for years, many, many years. Yeah. You work. You were vice president of growth with Build at uh, Build with Assembly, which yes. is a partner we've had through our one of our one of our major clients being Honda Canada through Clearmotive. And you and I maybe met I don't know three four years ago now, and here we are, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, it's like brothers from other mothers, and put us in a room <laughs> together, and we can talk for hours. So I don't know if we're going to lose uh, listeners because I just shared that or if we're going to get more. Cause no, because like, we're going to dive right in. We get very, yeah. very, the foreplay is very short. We're going to get right down. We're going to get right down okay. to business. You and okay. I had a conversation recently and I love, you know, my audience knows I focus very much on economic transformation in Western Canada. But as I've been doing this for almost 400 episodes now, I also like to reach out to other markets to kind of bring information back. Like there's an evolving right. tech ecosystem in Calgary, which I know you've become acquainted with here in the, in the, in the recent months. Yep. Lots of, and you can't throw a stick without hitting somebody who's trying to raise money or to try to grow a SaaS platform. And you and I recently right. had a conversation around your view, and you kind of came out with this thesis of Tyler, like the world of SaaS, SaaS selling, SaaS marketing is got to change. We're, we've yeah. killed the features and benefits call, uh, <laughs> side of the yeah. spec sheet. We need to get it more human. So I'm going to turn it over to you with that. So anybody listening, that's what we're going to dive into today and really okay. understand what the evolution is. And yes, features and benefits are important. But is it going to still connect with the potential customers like maybe it has in the past? And to right. Jason. And to Jason. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for the handoff. Uh, so a little context. Myself, I've spent a lot of time in, in the SaaS world. Uh, before joining Build with Assembly, uh, I've built uh, two large SaaS businesses, most notably Book for Time, which is the world's largest spa software platform. We're doing about uh, $3.5 billion through the platform, over 100 employees, and no outside funding to get us to that point. So nice. quite an incredible story. But, uh, you know, it's during journeys like that, and even more so now uh, at Build with Assembly, we modernize infrastructure and software uh, for two markets, enterprise giants and some of the largest SaaS companies. So, for example, if you've ever voted in a Canadian election, you've more than likely use the infrastructure that underpins the success of an election uh, with the software that a SaaS company builds. And we do all of the infrastructure to, oh, cool. to ensure cool. it's, it's steady. And so throughout all these journeys, I started like seeing all these great SaaS companies who, like you said, went from selling features uh, and benefits and you know products and, and use cases, and <laughs> talking about the solution. And it's just all of the same repetitive stuff. And, you know, uh, when you think about marketing and like communicating that story and, and how much time and effort is put into the product and how deeply they understand the users that are using it. And then you look at things like AI and machine learning. I, I think there's been a predominant shift, which is it's enabling human-like interactions hmm. in, in really interesting ways. And so this is the, you know, one of the biggest times that I've seen um, 
at least in like the last decade where humans and technology are interacting in a very different way. And so that, you know, made me think, why isn't the tech industry more so software companies leveraging this evolution to transition from selling features and focus on selling feelings, the feelings (laughs) people get when they use the features. Um, you know that we just lost a bunch of, um, engineers that just hung up or just turned it off because you said the word feelings, right? You do know that that maybe just Uh, happened. (laughs) Yeah, probably. You were willing to risk it. We knew we were going to use that word, the F word. Yeah. But, (laughs) but you know what, even when an engineer, like they all have their preferred programs to be coding in. Right. And (laughs) they do. Yeah. (laughs) And that, that, that love and affiliation comes through. It's almost a sense of identity sometimes. Heaven forbid you criticize it (laughs) if you want to see emotion. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But they've fallen in love with the software that enables them to build amazing things and and drive innovation and impact. That arguably empowers them to do exactly what they like. They fell in love because it was a tool that became their enabler of... Uh, discovery, creation, all those things, which are very, you know, kind of qualitative, me- messy human uh, journeys. But when they're in place, you produce great stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Your output increases, right? Mm-hmm. And and so my thought, my thought is basically AI and machine learning, it's going to flip everything on its head over the next few years. And so software companies that, you know, might have been, let's say, a CRM today could be something very, very different in two years from now because mm-hmm. of, you know, the opportunity with AI and machine learning. And so that begs the question, like, now I need to think about the brand and, and remove my identity being so coupled closely to the product that I've built, right? Um, because I'm likely going to build more products. In fact, every time I go for funding, it's either going to be to build a new product, uh, grow market share, or... Scale into a new market, acquire new customers, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so in all of these situations, it's like, look at the Apples and the Microsoft. That's my favorite example, right? Like the, the Zoom, I think it was called Zoom. I don't even remember. And the iPod. And yes, <laughs> they sold them completely different. And it's like, this has happened in other, you know, industries, even our industry, but just not necessarily in software and hmm. or not as predominantly as I think it should be. Right. And so if people can remember the feelings they get when you use the products that you build and when they use the products that they, uh, that you've built and they feel like it's built for them and they get success. And in, rather than talking about the solution that they've built, you can get your customers to tell the stories of the things that that product has helped them achieve. You're in essence shifting and bringing much more of a, of a human-like uh, an emotional connection to a brand and to a product. And what and you're helping them become just to interject for a second, this is not yeah. a new phenomenon. What you're really no. what you're proposing is that this is now going to get its time in the sun because of the journey that we're on. So thinking about specifically B2B SaaS, where no, nope, I get yep. my features, my benefits, this is what it does, this is the use case, this is the solution I'm providing. Because listen to you talk about selling emotions and having real human experiences. And this is very much part of the world of storytelling and marketing and yeah. it's been buzzing around for many years. Is it also that we've just now got so comfortable with these SaaS tools in our life? Yeah. And I, I do like what you said. Like all of a sudden, a whole group of people started interacting with AI in a way that was probably subtle. And like, you know, Google's been work when using AI to help me write my emails for a couple of years, but ChatGPT changed my ability to go, oh, yeah. I'm interacting with AI. This is very comfortable. This is fun. I'm asking it jokes. I'm asking it to help me build recipes. Yeah. But also, as companies, as organizations, as individuals, have we also just got so comfortable with SaaS and all of these different applications just being part of our life where maybe five to 10 years ago, that was a lesser number or just a different phase in the cycle? I, I think, yeah, definitely SaaS has become very, very predominant. 
the businesses that purchase it and the users or the employees that that use it within the companies both rely on it, right? Maybe it's buying a SaaS software because of the operational efficiency that it gives a business and then employees, it makes, you know, their day more convenient, their job more convenient. But I I think like when you look at understanding the role of emotions um, through a buying journey, through like customer success, all of these things, like instead of talking about the, the, the features, focus on the outcome. And the feeling will naturally come, right? It places the prospect. And what you're saying, the, there's clearly companies yeah. that are doing this, but what I'm also hearing you say, there's probably a large cohort that isn't doing it. Yeah. And, and some of and, the smaller, they get it very focused on product-centric, technology-centric, and sometimes yeah. forget, it's kind of the old joke, don't fall in love with the problem, fall in love with your customer's version of the problem and how they're yes. going to feel when you solve it. Exactly. <laughs> and it sounds so obvious when you and I just flip it off the cuff here on the, on. But you're in those rooms and as a marketer, oftentimes, like, you know, being a marketer for one of the, a very large OEM, sometimes our biggest battle is, and I say this battle as a, in a friendly yeah. term with the engineers, because they want to talk about the specs and the travel of yep. the suspension and the, the new, like we changed the geometry of the piston. The average consumer is like, yeah, but how's it going to make me feel when I ride it, use it, cut my lawn with it. And there's a yeah. bit of a balance and it's, you know, working with a company like that, that's built their whole DNA on like they're, they're an engineering company first. Marketing is a tool they use to get the product to the customer. That transition is always there. And the, the the challenge of how do we take engineer and technical speak that they're very proud of and what makes their product yep. different, but present it in a way that the customer is going to go, oh, yeah. Oh, that's why. It's, so you mean it's going to start better when it's cold out? Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I want that because that will make my day better. <laughs> exactly. How do we bring that into and SaaS as, as black and white as that, right? <laughs> yeah. And so to go and answer your question, do I think that, do I think marketers are kind of like leaning on the playbook that was written for their, for their, mm. you know, for SaaS companies? Yes. A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I think, you know, some really easy opportunities um, for existing products. Like I would approach this in two different ways. You've got it. How do I improve, you know, how I, uh, you know, connect the people that are using my product to my brand for an existing product, I think is different than a new product. Um, and, and so like, you know, to me with an existing product, it's really improving the art of, of storytelling throughout every channel that you're, you're talking about your product and making sure that those who are talking about the product, they're delivering it in, in a consistent way. And through story, right? Like we learn through story as children. It's probably one of the first ways that we learn how to communicate. I, I'm going to be bold to say it's a universal truth that we, okay. that we that, you know, you know, I, some people might argue, but I, you know, I just went down the deep, uh, the Joseph Campbell road of how we learn from myth and how we learn from story and how it's been cycled through our, our, our history as, as like thousands of years. And that even the stories we tell today are still based on the same DNA and formulas of the stories we told a thousand years ago, which is yeah. quite an interesting concept. But you're oftentimes, you're right, it, that can feel fluffy if you don't understand maybe the mechanics of how it actually works. Mm. Yeah. And so like when I think about like digital, right, the art of storytelling. So I'm going to release a new feature i'm part of a product team i understand you know the the feature i understand the personas that it's used for uh and i understand the solution yeah so i now have the the choice of just you know doing a spec sheet and saying that this is <laughs> yeah. how we compare because that's or, the that's a bit of the that's the playbook i'm relying yeah. on the old playbook right mm. right or i have the opportunity to write some really engaging content that for that feature it describes accurately the situation of that user right that persona and it talks about the stories of other customers that have used this feature and the success that they're having and by meeting them where they are 
and being able to write content that accurately describes their situation so well that they're like, that's me. That's a hundred percent how I feel today. And this product has been built for me. And this is the solution I'm looking for because I can see it's working for others that are within my industry. And now I'm willing to dive deeper. And so that might create the connection to it. And then it's how do you nurture it mm-hmm. over time, right? And and develop it. And so a lot of that is uh, content driven, right? Um, product driven within the product like uh but it's taking on a much more of a human angle versus a technology angle like we're not talking about the thing we're talking about the benefit to the humans would you say is it a correct thing to say that we're also getting a little more jaded every platform says it's going to solve all my problems every platform says it's going to be the best thing since sliced bread but i i know a lot of companies i have a few friends that have started senior level started at companies that were more in between series a series b and the first thing they did it went in and hacked out half of the apps that the team was paying for but not using because somebody signed up for it with a credit card on a tuesday and then forgot about it and it's been getting paid for for x amount of years and right. i was you know we're a small company and we did that and kind of went from 30 down to about 15 tools that we actually used i was talking to my buddy he's like oh 30 he's like we had hundreds we were spending millions of dollars on tools that people had just signed up for because they were going to be the answer but they never they had no staying power except for in the payment cycle <laughs> because yeah. they put in a credit card are you seeing that this is maybe required because is the gate getting is, is the key to the gate getting harder to open mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, right? Like now it's smart growth. It's not growth at all costs. And so, you know, another way I look at this is um, I was doing a, um, leading a panel at uh, Elevate Festival last week, and uh, we were focused on the art of falling in love with the problem. And, uh, and we had uh, Ariel Garten, the uh, founder of Muse, uh, which is a meditation um, platform. And then we had the the founder of Goldbolt, Mark Ang. And so what I love about what he said uh, about the problem is that, you know, in, in essence, the the solution that your company had built a year ago is probably irrelevant now, and even more so for high growth businesses. His example was, as a company in our short history, we've rebranded four times. Now, to give you context, that's a, a nine-figure revenue company, uh, 28-year-old uh, CEO and founder. Uh, raised $175 million and has over a 1,000 employees. So I would argue if you've rebranded you know, four times, the amount of money that you need to spend to rebuild that, that connection with that customer is absolutely insane. More so, um, you know, if you're rebranding that consistent, consistently, how do, how do they have that connection with you again? Right Now you've introduced a new brand, new values, new vivid future, all of these different things that you've got to start again from scratch. So my argument is, at least if they remember that you are the company that, you know, through using your product, they, they remember the feelings, they remember that it was built for them, and they remember the stories, uh, you know, the outcomes, if you will, of what they were able to achieve, they're more likely to give you more time when you make that change, when you shift that brand, or when you go in a different direction. And that's just brand level. But, you know, you made another good point, which was around how many... Um, SaaS companies explode, right? They become everything to everyone. And so that creates another brand problem. And everything to everyone is nothing to no one, right? That's the, yeah, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Who's your target audience? Who's your ICP? It's everybody. I'm like, oh no, it is not. It is never everybody ever. No, (laughs) of course. And and so I think that just brings it back to, again, if we're seeing this much uh, transformation and, and, from a business, from a product that was built, 
um, that one would argue we need to dive deeper into not only how we market our products, but also in the way that we're, we're building them too. Like engineers should think about the feeling that someone gets just as much as the designer does. Hmm. Is this easy to You're use? You're kind of getting UI, quick? UX, really, is, the relationship between those concepts, even around design thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But hmm. design and engineering, fast, yeah, yeah. easy, simple, convenient. Like these are all things that engineers equally have um, as much input to as, as much as visual. So talk to me if I'm a, if I'm, if I'm a startup, because if I'm established and I have customers, then the argument would be that I have a group that I can tap into. I can talk to them. I can bring them in. I can incentivize them to give me their feedback. But there's often this question of like, you know, I got a great idea. I'm going to go away in my, my bat cave and create it and then come out. Uh, What's your advice for startups in a SaaS type environment? They go, yeah, Jason, I hear you. I believe you, but I don't have any customers yet. And yeah. oh my God, I don't have time or I don't have the money to spend a couple hundred grand on research or whatever the case may be. Right. What approach would you recommend if somebody's like, I'm bought into this, but I don't know how to capture how my custom, my future customer will feel about my future product that I haven't built yet, but yet I think I know what their problem is. Like, so how would you dissect that or put a, what would be your playbook for that? Yeah. So in the product development um, process, right? So product marketing design. All of that, I would encourage each one of those respective teams to be co-creating with your customers and build a solution uh, together. And through that journey, you are going to learn the problems that they are encountering at at a very, very deep level, enough that you can talk about them from a persona perspective. And if each team, like if engineer knows, if the engineers know who they are building the product for and they have enough empathy one could argue maybe the quality gets better. Maybe the product is faster. The concept of empathy is interesting and, and tactical yeah. empathy. I'm being empathetic to learn what your problems might be in the future that you don't even know yet. Like it's even going to get into customer centricity. But so how do I do that if I'm a, I'm a five-person startup and I've got some funding and I'm currently working in the garage? We'll just use the garage scenario. I don't know yep. if anybody still... I don't think work, building your startup in the garage isn't as popular as it once was as, no. a, as a thought. But how do I get like community to give me their time? Everybody's busy. Everybody's slammed. Yeah. I'm trying to solve my problems today, let alone help you build a product for me tomorrow. Like, How do you do that? I'm, I'm pushing you for the real grassroots yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, cutting through noise is always hard. Okay. Uh, if if you've uh, fallen in love with a problem and it's inspiring you enough to work on creating a solution for it, okay. then there are others who are struggling just as hard hmm. in that market uh, for that solution, and your job is to find them. And okay. so while you are building the product, the role of the CEO or the CMO or like whoever it is that's going to be marketing and be the evangelist is to be in market trying to find those people and taking all of those insights, all of those learnings from every single conversation and feeding it back into the team. I argue like the CPO's role is to, you know, be out in market as much as they are working in Hmm. and on the product, Um, which is really another area of opportunity. So how do you cut through the noise? So, if you've landed on a, on a, you know, like, let's say, um, let's go back into uh, uh, Avail, one of my companies that was a mental health platform. Okay. Uh, so we were a SaaS company. We had our primary target market that was, you know, Olympic athletes. We owned 96% of the market and we couldn't grow. Uh, we then had another challenge. How do we find a market that's willing to pay, has a large enough problem uh, around mental health and is B2B, right? We wanted to, to finance our growth through uh, through acquiring businesses. And so 
we landed on first responders. It took us a while to get there, but we knew no one. Uh, we had no relationships. It's not a world we're even intimately familiar with. And so I, like, we lived this. And to be honest, it was my role and my mission was to talk to every single police service. In this case, it was Ontario and talk to every fire service. And what I ended up realizing was that there's some shortcuts. And so in this case, every single police service has an association for the chiefs of police. So I cut back my time and I was lucky because I could go into a single room and really articulate what we do. And that is the problem is care is reactive. And the solution is two parts. One, we need to be able to early identify when we're not doing so well, when the stress in our life is impacting our mind and our body. And we need it to make it easier for me to access care sooner. So today, when I know there's an issue, I'm probably going to a practitioner. I'm not likely to be looking at content other than searching Google and being like, what is this weird mole on whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, and so one could argue, <laughs> sorry, I don't so, know so, why yeah, I you, came with You caught mole, me on but, that one. I was like, what, what was that? Okay, got it. Heard you. Yeah. Heard you. Um, uh, <laughs> folks, if you didn't catch quite exactly what he said, go, go back and re-listen. You'll get it. <laughs> so I, I said a mole uh, in a weird place. No, it's uh, all, it's all yeah. Hey, place, does, this, but, does this rash look bad? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I got it. Yeah, I got it. We're, we're well, all online MDs, but I appreciate the, you, you, like it, like it's like the old joke, like if your salesperson, if your head of sales is at their desk, they're not doing their job. So what you're saying yeah. also is if your head of product is in the lab or in the, like wherever, in the garage, we'll just use the garage as the yeah. universal spot for development is in the, is in the garage. There may be not, there may be making assumptions that didn't involve the customer. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And, and so yeah, I hear it. Yeah. The, there's always shortcuts to get there. I, I, if you're solving a problem, and there is, and you're convinced there is a market need, and you can't co-create to, to build the solution. How much easier is it going to be to sell it once you have it built? Yeah, yeah. That the argument be the would be not that, at all. Yeah, my a yeah. good friend of mine just wrote a whole book on building your audience before you need it, kind of concept, right? On uh, like I'm getting out there, the advisory this. strategy, the getting. You know, what's the old joke? If you want advice, ask for money. If you want yeah, money, ask for advice. I, <laughs> it's funny the amount of times I I, I use that, but yeah. Um, you know, so that's that's one path, right? Associations was a was a hack. Okay. Um, another another opportunity would would be in our uh, product. We had the opportunity to become advocates for someone else. We care so mm. deeply that we built a product for you. And so, in every single meeting, I went in and I said, "Care is reactive." I saw head nods. From there, I explained what they're doing. I knew exactly everything because I had hundreds of conversations. I know they have assessments. Yeah, yeah. I know they have psychologists. I know they have all of these things. But why don't they work? And that's because I don't know I'm not feeling well. Hmm. And that's what our platform did really well. So we are able to make it one-on-one. -on -one. I know how I'm doing. I know the areas of my life that I need to focus on. Um, and now I've got access to care because that was the other thing we learned. We were just a monitoring tool. We had no ambition to ever build a care ecosystem right. that could take care of first responders. As it turns out, it allowed us to go and raise our next round of money. And it actually was the thing that we sold first <laughs> because it was a larger pain. People didn't know their pain yet yeah. was monitoring. And so, but you only discovered that because you went out there and spent some time, yes, you know, yeah. shaking hands and, and 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 having real conversations with the people that you were you were impassioned to help, which I, I do love the, a lot. Of, even the words you're using, there's a lot of feeling in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and so then it was mm -hmm. another challenge. So I learned a lot that market doesn't trust you because by the very nature of what they do, they pull people over or run <laughs> to emergencies 
all day long. And if you're a police officer, probably like 90 something percent of the time, you're hearing stories all day of why they were driving 20 kilometers over the speed limit. And you just, you build a tolerance to just have no patience for, for anything. Well, the argument that would be a career that would develop a very high bullshit meter. Yeah. Thank you, sir. But I'm going to give you the ticket anyways. (laughs) Okay. But but I really love what you said about understanding the DNA of that profession of by its nature, there's a lack of trust by nature. There's maybe a slightly could be a disillusion with society because I had a friend who was an EMT in Vancouver. He became very disenfranchised with society because he's like, all I see is the worst version of it every day. (laughs) And he goes, I get it. That's my world. But it it impacted, it impacted how we kind of looked at everything. Mm -hmm. So now imagine how entrepreneur like myself yeah. would mm-hmm. look in a room full of police officers. One interesting learning, they all carry guns. And they're all suspicious of you before you, who's this guy and why am I meeting with them? Two, their tech is really dated. Like yeah. I went to, to, to yeah. meet with them and I had no way to plug my computer into an overhead projector because I hadn't seen one of those in because so you didn't long. you didn't bring the microfiche where you had to put the screen thing on there. That's so funny. Exactly. So they're living then, in a world where they also don't have access to the best tools to do their job. Mm-hmm. And then number three, they're seeing some guy in jeans and a in a shirt come in and tell them they are the solution to one of their most costly problems in their entire company. Like example, <laughs> appreciate the learned, context of this one. Yeah, it's a good example. Yeah, <laughs> we learned that if a first responder takes two weeks off uh, because of disability, it can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to the city. Like now, all of a sudden, I have a very solid ROI. Before that, yeah, you have a human, can... you have a human case and a business case. <laughs> exactly, mm-hmm. and so um, that's a good example. It's a really good. Example. It took me a very long time to win them over. I couldn't understand it. Like, and to be honest, the way I won them over was uh, was telling them a very funny joke, a very personal moment that literally made people laugh, had them in tears, and that is exactly what they needed in that moment because their job is really, really hard. Yeah, yeah. it sucks more than it is good. Um, but they do it for the the art of service, and and that's how they are fulfilled. And all I needed to convince them is that I'm a human just like they are, and I want to help. I have good intentions. And so that also told me the buying cycle is going to be very long, and I'm going to need to nurture them. And I'm going to need to, because they don't trust, I'm going to need to sell in stories. In fact, it would be better if I didn't sell and I had others sell for me yeah, yeah. through stories, right? And so it shaped my marketing plan. It wasn't about me. It was about our customers. Uh, when when we sold features, because we were like mental health, it's a it's a it's a subject that just naturally gravitated towards the fe- features. Like imagine knowing this is how hard I can push myself today. <laughs> You'd probably lead a more productive day and feel less disappointed with disappointed with what you were able to achieve. Well, you'd also so, feel less alone because you've got something that's kind of validating. Oh, I don't feel great today. Actually, no. Yeah. And here's why, right? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. to unpack that. But I really appreciate your, <clears throat> you rolled up your sleeves, you went in there, you put yourself in an environment that can, I've been in those those rooms for the product we did years ago. It can feel the first time you walk into the room in front of a room full of traffic cops and you're talking about a breath wild, <laughs> it was, it's a vulnerable environment, like for sure. And, oh, and, yeah. and they are inherently suspicious individuals and for good reason. Like I'm not faulting them for feeling oh, no, that way. At all. Like, I don't the world either. They live in. But yeah. what a great example for anyone out there thinking about how do I get in front of my customer? You navigated away, but you also found a way to navigate to a higher impact environment, but you still went and rolled up your sleeves. The, the tech guy with the jeans and the t-shirt telling yeah. this group of individuals, <laughs> hardened individuals that you have a solution to their problem. <laughs> yeah. And, and so their mindset was, you're going to try to make money on our problem. And my mindset was, I want to help you. This is a problem that shouldn't exist at this level of degree. 
hmm. and we need to do something and what you're doing is not wrong but tech has an, a, a role in this and i would like to be that person um hmm. that's a great now, story all, that's a really good story man thanks I love it. yeah and I, and I think this applies to you know any company it doesn't need to be mental health like the whole thing with building a, like think about avail again do i want them walking away thinking about a feature that they used or do i want them walking away with the feeling of comfort safety security knowing that they have peer support with the click of a button 24 7 i don't have to go and talk to my police service i can go talk to another police service if i'm worried about something you know being shared or you know gossip or whatever and so the more of that feeling that they get it's not just a love with product it's with it's a love for those who built it and that is what we need to create in SaaS. we need to stop you looking at software that does operational efficiency cost savings or you know enabling growth and and we need to flip that and we need people to remember the feelings the moments the stories and you know the outcomes that they were able to achieve with this product and one way we can get the market to start doing that is by us talking that way mm. and i think you know one of the best ways is uh and one of the biggest opportunities I see is become an evangelist, become a thought leader. You asked like what's going to cut them through the clutter and, and all of that. Um, I've learned a lot about LinkedIn recently. And one of the biggest like epiphanies I had was it's like turned into Facebook for adults and engagement <laughs> is 50% more uh, on a personal share than it would ever be on a company share. And so again, like I say that for two parts. Part one, it reinforces everything that I'm talking about. It totally does. And, and part two, um, because then you become, people are the evangelists. People will, are the ones that can evoke the feelings and, and tell the stories and, and get people uh, to buy into a vivid future. Like, what's one product you absolutely love that's SaaS? Um, well, I can just think about the tools we use. Like when we switched over to Slack and really committed to using it, I'll just pick that one as one. It absolutely inc like decreased my emails, increased my connection with my team. Like, so I'll just pick that one because it's right in front of my, it's on one of my screens yeah. right now. And that's an easy one. And I use that daily multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and when you use it, what do you usually feel? I, I don't mind it. Like right like this. <laughs> What do I usually feel? I feel connected, like from a team perspective, especially because we work remote. So it is facilitated. We had it before. We went to remote. I hardly ever used it. Um, I also feel um, I feel efficient because I'm not spending all my time my email because like I, I don't think at, at our company, Clearmotive, we hardly use email at all for internal communications anymore. It just went away. And so the, the efficiency, the connection, the speed, the empowerment that I feel through using that platform is is huge. Like if you took it away, it would it would negatively impact my day. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And so like I, I'm almost certain probably Slack's mission has changed a few times. Probably, but yes, I just went on their site and today their mission is make work, work life simpler, more pleasant and more productive. This is a great example. I didn't read that, but it's basically what I just said to you. <laughs> of a company like Slack thinking about feelings. They're literally using words that evoke feelings. And you just told me that. And so hmm. that's an example of, a, of a, an excellent SaaS company. And so I'm not saying not everyone's doing it. There are Fantastic and I was going to ask you that if we took 10 companies yeah. at a mid stage or even at a maturity, there's a percentage that are doing it. There's a percentage that are working on it. And there's a percentage that still are maybe caught in the old model. But I do feel there's a lot yeah. of companies moving in this direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've got like the slacks, the squares and, 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 you know, like companies like 
Base uh, Camp and Thirty Seven Signals, and you know they've all um, you know done a really good job of communicating um, using this framework. And I and I just think it's about time. Like we'll get there because we're now asking computers through voice and through text to do things for us, and we're interacting with them. They becoming companions, right? Um, and co-pilots, if you will, for our life. And so like that's going to change the way we interact with technology. Technology needs to change. Or sorry, marketing needs to change in how we uh, communicate the value and, and, and value in a product. And then finally, you know, when we think about building it, I'd argue the more you can infuse this thinking earlier in the processes as you're creating it, the better. Um, and then I think I talked a little bit about if you've got an existing product, you know, it's more about um, first going to market and changing that, impre- uh, uh, you know, the impression outwards. And then internally starting to shift that culture, right? Because that's going to take time. Um, and then if you're building a net new product, you know, one, one would argue there's a lot of focus already on the core business. And so, you know, when you, when you get a fresh start or a time to, to really apply a new model uh, of marketing and building a product, um, you, you have the opportunity to look at, you know, what's the right team to help me do that? And so in that case, I would look at who are those that are helping you know, the base camps, the 37 signals, the, you know, all these great icons, um, who helped them, who helped them communicate the feelings that they get when they use features and start to lean on them and really pull them in, uh, to give you that unfair advantage. Right. So we see the unicorns are kind of leading the way and showing us what we should be doing. Now I really see the opportunity within scale-ups and startups, of course, too, like that should be built into their DNA, but I think we'll start seeing it in, in scale-ups next. And okay. In most scale-ups, I think they'll be building new products. We'll probably see it in their products first, and then it will more transition in, into the into their brands. But uh, I'm quite excited to to see more of these these companies uh, come about, and I can't wait to to remember some more interesting ways that companies have connected with uh, people. Uh, that you know, like stories like the apples of the world, and and I think that SaaS has you know an amazing opportunity to do that, and we're very lucky we can almost share daily we can share many times a day <clears throat> and <clears throat> i think content has become way more accessible so we can tell these stories how we use a feature do i you know release it in text or do i do a video again it's going to evoke a totally different feeling in the person that's using it um both are very valid um but maybe i walk away from the video being like that wasn't so taxing uh and i learned the solution to what i need and i feel great and and again I think that's the real, the real opportunity. Um, and I think the more that you do that also, the other big challenge that most SaaS companies have is talent. So uh, again, I, I have the choice as an engineer or product designer of where I go. And equally, when I'm bringing someone in to join my company, one would argue um, that they need to be as deeply committed to the mission, the vivid future, the values that guide and inspire us as as I am as a, as a leader naturally over time. But if I'm doing a good job of when they use the product, when they're getting onboarded, they're feeling certain things. Um, that's great. But there's another interesting opportunity. There's companies like FreshBooks, for example, which is another SaaS platform that had the, um, you know, made it mandatory for every single employee, irrespective of role or seniority had to work three months in support. And that was their way of communicating 
Here's all the feelings that our customers feel when they use our features. Here's the personas of the products that we've built. And here's all the stories, either good or bad. So we have all the raw. Well, and let's be honest. You you learn yeah. as much or more from the bad stories. Oh like yeah. The, oh, this of didn't course, work. Okay, right there, you know. And it also yeah. it also removes the hey, we should build this feature really for who? No, no, that does anybody need that? Is that is that anyone's problem or is it just something yeah. we want to get caught building? Or and is the, that dis- the, the discipline CEO when sold. you're building out your product <laughs> of what you say yes to and what you say no to is critical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so yeah, I mean, I, I, it's nothing like overly. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, out there and it, it, we, we can no, see No, but you're it. driving a think, message home and something you see only becoming more. And that's when you and I chatted yeah. a few weeks ago, you're like, hey, this is a trend I'm seeing. It's not a new phenomenon, but it's really starting to become like, you need to do this. Like there's, it's not, it's not a negotiable. No. It's like, oh, we yeah. can do it this way or that way. You will, you know, at your peril is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Too. I, you know what, honestly, like I just had another, another thought. So going back to like the book for time days, um, when I joined, we were, we were 25 people doing 750 million in revenue. Uh, we were in 70 countries, no outside funding other than our, our sales. And our market was enterprise hotels. We had every single spa um, in every single major hotel chain. And so our challenge was two point one implementation. And two, that uh, when I joined, we had like a one page website that really didn't you know, articulate anything that we had done. And so we had grown through the individual heroics of a great CEO that was an excellent salesperson was also the product person who was also the marketer and everything (laughs) kind of was just, you know, those like working in the business rather than on it. And so when I joined one of the, the, you know, some would argue dive into the product. And I actually did the opposite. I went into product marketing and said like, we really need to understand um, the product for who we are building it for the markets that we sell to. And, and so there was a moment where we couldn't even say in a single sentence what we did but yet people would buy like enterprises. And so it ended up being, we believe a growing business is a beautiful thing. We just so happened to build cloud, uh, cloud, sorry, cloud software to uh, manage, grow and drive spots business. Right. I, I, sorry, I'm not getting it. Yeah, but I, I get but it. But there was three pieces, very manage, grow and drive. And so in a product roadmap, anything that didn't achieve these three never got added. Yeah. And that was the main message. That we <laughs> and that's how market. that trickle down discipline comes from. What is the thing? Does it, does it help us do this? It doesn't. Okay. It's off the table. It, it makes it so much easier than having to debate. Oh, does it could be good? Well, yeah, but does it meet our, does it meet our, you know, why the need for that overarching objective? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, that was a cool epiphany because when we were able to say that we all of a sudden realized like how much of a profound impact it did, but also we went to the step of under growing. That's like one focus area. What do we want people to feel? And actually, we reframed it. What are the outcomes we want to drive, mm-hmm. right? And and how do we want people to feel when they use these features? And so, for example, one was um, around utilization. And so, a big problem in spas is you know uh, underutilization means you have you know spa attendants who aren't giving massages, and not all of them make you know salary. They're they're either on commission. And so, how do we create an opportunity for those uh, massage therapists in their downtime where they they would not have a customer to be able to get a customer, right? And so we knew their pain and we knew what they felt like when they were sitting there and not with a customer. And so we built a feature that helped, you know, drive demand, right? Through that one thing um, by offering a discount to existing customers who would be more likely to go on a certain day with that attendant. 
And we knew how to market that. We knew it wasn't to the spa, right? Like the, it was actually to, to the therapist. And then the therapist would actually become advocates for us, right? You'd have the, the spa manager who used to be a therapist be like, wow, my man, I wish I had that when I was, when I was starting out, how much more money I would have made. Right. And then you've just changed it. You went away from features to, I wish I had that. Which is, which is the difference of success, failure, or rapid growth, or not at all, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I think the, um, the general sentiment that I, that I want to get across is, like, you don't have to do this all overnight either. Like, it's small hmm. little incremental changes, that. Yeah. right? Um, Many a business and- leader has listened to a podcast like this and then felt excited, quickly followed by overwhelmed at how this might, you know, oh, how do we get there? It seems so much. It can be overwhelming. That's a very, it's a very real feeling as a leader when you've got 20 priorities and you listen to a great idea and go, oh shit, now I have 25 priorities. <laughs> exactly. And so it's really around the 80, 20. And so I think that, you know, that's going to be hard for us to say what's that, that 20 that moves the needle. Um, but the things I've always, always done is uh, beginning of every quarter, um, I write out the things that you know, I want to achieve, I write them daily and I keep on reminding myself about, about them. And it's those small incremental steps. And so the challenge I would, you know, have to any SaaS founder, um, is start with yourself, right? If you're it, rather than applying it to a company, which requires learning and, and, you know, maybe diving deeper into your market, or maybe it takes time and you've got other priorities. The one thing we can all do is spend time improving how we are represented in the market and ensure that when someone goes to our our LinkedIn profile, for example, we evoke a feeling, but it's connected back to the feelings that we get from that company. And, and again, like you're a persona, be known for what you do and then your stories. Well, you're going to get me interested to read a lot more about you if you're good at storytelling. And And it comes all the way back to just the humanity of it all. (laughs) You know, brand is a a fancy word for, well, well, I think we'd get more viewers when we talk about reframing how to sell, how to sell SaaS. Then, uh, hey, by the way, brand is just a fancy word for personality for businesses. (laughs) It it is. And so why aren't there more chief evangelists out there? Being delivered about it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, uh, I love this, this, this company called uh, Zero. And so they were cloud-based accounting. Uh, and one of my former employees, like uh, a brilliant marketer, his name is Saul Cole. Um, and he's known for just like pulling off these things that can shock and awe uh, uh, audiences, surprise and delight them in, in really unexpected ways. And so Zero was at, at TechCrunch, right? And let's think about accounting. Like how much fun is that? Uh, well, sorry for yeah, any of the accountants. Yeah, yeah no, like, for, not maybe, for maybe for the accountants. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. For the accountants, it's very fun for them. And it's a big day and, 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 you know, like, but I'd still argue, even though they, they love accounting, they probably get some level of frustration trying to think about like, what platform should I use? Or even the thought of switching platforms and like how arduous and painful that is. These are the feelings we don't want them to feel. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Zero's using TechCrunch as a platform to communicate how awesome they are, probably some new features and all of that. They could have done what everyone else did. or Instead, they rented a plane that wrote into the sky the number one cloud-based accounting platform and zero with a circle. It got so much attention that it stopped the baseball game in San Francisco. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. You, you literally can't pay for that type of uh, earned media, but yet you can. <laughs> but what I, what I 
I don't know. I detected something and I was like, that is so freaking, freaking cool. Like, uh, cloud, like it's free flowing. It, it's like, I think about flying and like getting to my yep. destination pad. Like there were so many hidden, uh, subtleties in the way they executed that, that still made me feel a certain way. One, I was inspired by their business. I was like, I love that. That's unique. I want to learn more about that company. Yeah. Just because they, they took the time to stand out. Mm-hmm. So maybe we sell more product if we do that. And maybe the whole key is being more human. Well, I'd love to say, look out your window right now. And, you know, collisions why we see is written in the sky over Toronto. That might be interesting, but, um, I'm, but I, I didn't have that kind of foresight until my next episode. Uh, Jason, so exactly. good to have you on, man. I really appreciate, you know, we kind of got into this dialogue a few weeks ago and I thought it was yeah. very well, very much well worth a share and something that I, that I, you know, I agree with fundamentally, yeah. but your expertise and your background in SaaS and building organizations and seeing it firsthand, your example of working with first responders, like that was fantastic. And that was real. And for anyone who's tried to sell to those environments, that's a, that's a hard room to sell oh. So you earn the trust because you're actually there to solve their problem, not just make money off of off of their problem. Those are two very different paradigms. And when you're working yeah. with a suspicious client, which let's argue, or let's just go in with, they all have the right to be suspicious. It's up to you yes. to kind of shift that, right? <laughs> they should be suspicious. It behooves them to go, hmm, what's really going on here? Are you selling me some snake oil and some magic powder? Uh, or yeah. do you actually do you actually care about solving my problem? It sounds so human, but we often forget it when we get lost in technology. <laughs> So I, I just want to end on, on a very special mode, there, moment. There was a, a story that, uh, that came to mind. And so uh, I want to leave the audience with this. Um, we were fighting really hard to get our first client uh, at Avail in, in first responders. And we talked a little bit about co-creating. And so I won't name the police service, but in essence, if we landed it, game over, we're going to own the market um, and they're going to help us. And so... They were very skeptical. They had psychologists. They had like a big review committee, like just arduous for literally a demo, like a trial. And what started as a trial then turned into, uh, we don't want a trial. We're just going to buy it. And here's all these other things that we want the platform to do. Here's some money to do it. And, you know, we get one of the lead psychologists in mental health for first responders to say, can I also invest and be on your board? Hmm. And I could have come in as a product person or as a growth person <laughs> or in any of those other roles, right? And I could have focused on the mission at hand, you know, through, and of course this is a journey, but I never sold. I just talked about how people felt when they used it. I just talked about who it was built for, the personas. And I talked about the stories people and it just, people it don't buy what you do. They buy how you make them feel like it's, you know, it's such an overused yeah, you quote. You said it so you, much yeah. more elegantly. <laughs> no, I love it, man. I love yeah. it. Well, you made it easy. You laid it all out for me. And then yeah. you know, my, my, my gift is to go, oh, so what you really said was this. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't rehearse that. Tyler's great at taking my and turning it into condensed uh, points that actually make sense. Thanks, so. man. But it's things we all hear, we all bump into out there kind of almost in pop culture. But what you did today was you gave some meaning, you gave an approach, you gave real life examples, and you gave kind of, you threw down the gauntlet of like, hey, if you don't get on this path as a SaaS, as, 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 as a product developing company, whatever you, however you deliver it, it's kind of at your peril, right? And I really appreciate yeah. how you how you made that land. Because sure, I can, I can summarize a quick, a quick fun quote, but you gave it yeah. a lot of substance today, and I really appreciate that. Only, only the substance that can come from learning it the hard way and the right way. <laughs> exactly, um, Jason. What's the best well, way for people to get a hold of you? Your LinkedIn is awesome. I love your LinkedIn. It's oh, rocking. Thank it's, you. You, you, you've, you've done some. You, you, 
your in, you, I, I know you well enough to know that your LinkedIn is like a great representation of what it is to actually oh. hang out with you. <laughs> okay. Well, that's amazing. Um, but, uh, maybe, LinkedIn maybe is awesome. Emojis, maybe not the use of emojis. Amateur chef, have, man. We're going to talk about this after. We're going to like exactly. we're going to continue. If you're curious exactly. about Jason's amateur chef skills as well as his uh, point of view on humanization of SaaS <laughs> selling, please look him up at LinkedIn. Uh, Jason J McFadden on uh, LinkedIn. Any other preferred yes. forum? Do you are you like? Yeah, do, sure. What, yeah, how yeah. how do people get a hold of you? So LinkedIn's great, Jay McFadden, uh, Build with Assembly. Uh, it's uh, our website's assemblyhq.com. Uh, you can shoot me a quick email, jason.mcfadden at assemblyhq. Um, those are the ways. And then also, shameless plug, uh, I am the host of SaaScast. And, nice. Um, Check it out. Exactly. If you want to hear from great SaaS leaders on how they're building, scaling, and growing their companies and doing a lot of what we just talked about, that's a great source for it. And so that's SaaS cast and just go on to any of your favorite streaming services and search and you'll find our episodes amazing jason thanks for the time man always enjoy our conversations and uh, occasionally we even we occasionally we record them and share them with our audience which why wouldn't you <laughs> that was we fantastic did record, right we did oh we did yeah. oh that hey I'm as a kidding, podcaster that is my number one fear you have an amazing <laughs> conversation you're like oh shit something went wrong no we captured it and the if the audience is still listening at the end now they're just laughing and be like all right enough enough of you too jason so, thanks so much for coming on today it was an absolute pleasure man yes. you're in calgary in a couple of weeks so i look forward to seeing you I soon am. that's what i was just gonna say okay thanks tyler take care thanks brother